Open your eyes. This is America. The greatest nation on Earth. Where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown-skinned filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. I want to build an orphanage. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. Even the Pope cannot protect you from what may come. I am unashamed. What about you? Because people ask me, Jesse, they're like, what, what is Jay? He looks down sometimes and it looks like he's he looks like he's engaged, but he looks like he's a million miles away. I said, yeah, he's learned how to sleep with his eyes open. So I'm nearly no. never sure whether you're actually awake or not. Well, if you want the true answer to that, I would give a public service announcement, which is like something you see on packaging, you know, when you're trying to understand the product. See wife for details. She can explain all that because she tells me that all the time. She's like, where do, where do you go? And she's like, what, what What just happened? We were having a conversation. And I he said, does this when he's playing poker, especially yeah. when he, he's preaching. Yeah. yeah. He'll be over there. Well, I was going to ask you and about I'll that. I'll say, Jace, hey, you going to play his hand or you you what? He said, hey, yeah, I'll raise 50. Yeah, I'm. I'm you know, he goes back. So <laughs> he goes back. Besides, I've heard this before. So now we've got you finally here. Welcome, by the way. Right, the well, thank you. So I've heard this about Jace, and Jace tells he prepares his lesson and does all these things during poker. So how do the other players view a person that disengaged? Well, num- number one, they hate to play him. <laughs> okay, because here's here's what they say. Tell me, it's bad enough to try to beat him. But he brings Jesus with him, and we can't beat both of them. They do say <laughs> they that. They do say that. I take that as a compliment, <laughs> some weird form of persecution. Yeah. <laughs> they'll say, hey, you can't beat Jesus. And I'm like, well, no, I agree with that. <laughs> That's, That's a smart. Right. He said, oh, oh, I'll check. I'll yeah. check on that. You're right. <laughs> the only kind That's of, funny. of uh, that even comes close to the not, not any verses about gambling. There's no verses there, except well, the one yeah, after, they, after the one. Do lot for his cloak. Yeah. Well, then we get into a different conversation, which is, is poker gambling? Which I would say, I do not believe it is. I think it is a. <laughs> Especially with the. God didn't team. have anything to say about it. He meant for us <laughs> yeah. to say. Well, thank you. Well, you? A lot, now, people have taken that and gone way too far and lost everything. You know, if you're. Oh, yeah. If you spend your Anything paycheck overindulged. Well, yeah, if you spend your paycheck on a video poker machine somewhere, you know, I mean, come on now. Yeah. So, but what I was going to say is I I was I was had a day filled with interviews cuz our show is being released. I I'm not sure when this show will air. So by the time you hear this podcast, our our Duck Family show that Sai and I are part of will be released. I don't think we One thing about you it could one thing, Jace, you could do. Oh, he's found a verse. You, you could prove the acts of the sinful nature. We're going to find out what they are. Are obvious. <laughs> Sexual immorality. Well, it ain't gambling. Impurity. No. Debauchery. No. Idolatry. No. Witchcraft. No. Hatred. I don't know whether you hate the boys who are playing. They did say they hate to play Jace. Was Discord. <laughs> jealousy. Fits of rage. I don't know about fits of rage after you lost close hand. Selfish ambition, you want all the money. Dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, don't live like that. And then the fruit of the Spirit comes along. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Let's see, patience. Yeah, you got to be patient if you're going to make any money <laughs> yeah, in gambling. Yeah. I yep. like how you're that's going that's with That's part of the game. Kindness, well, just, goodness, faithfulness, oh, gentleness. And self-control, as long as you were dealing the cards and you stayed within that parameter. Well, so I don't see how it would be anything mischievous about it's your money. If you can do it, you wouldn't want well, to. Well, what I got from that is if 
Sinai are at a poker game and even a hint of an orgy breaks out, we're out of there. <laughs> no, we leave immediately. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that ain't, that ain't going to happen though. while I'm there. That's, that's just yeah, disgusting. Okay, so yeah, we've yeah. cleared that up for everyone. <laughs> You're pretty smart because every time one of the good-looking chicks gets involved in the, over there where the players are, if, if there's a woman there prissing around. Yeah, well, well we don't have that. That's yeah, not that's that. right. All right. They used, I like the way you led into that, the acts of sinful nature are obvious, then it lists what they are. Yeah. When you have to build a case to create a sinful situation, you know you're in trouble. That's, that's very pharisaical as we've been studying. No, it's a, usually for us, it's a social gathering. We played last night. We came there to watch the LSU game, and that was a great – Oh, no, that, kind was of a, that was the funnest part. Oh, we – Every time they would take, get up, one of them get up, and then you'd hear – Whack! And then everybody would go, it's going out! Yeah. <laughs> it's over the fence! Did LSU win? Oh, oh they, they win. They win. So this is nothing. weeks ago. Yeah, this is by the time you <laughs> hear this, we'll, we'll hopefully be cheering something. Jay up. said, I'm sweating. Then he said, it ain't, but we ain't got but 12 runs on them. Yo, yeah. He said, I'm, I want them 17 to nothing. Well, because when I was walking out the door, <laughs> Missy said, what's your prediction? And I said, my prediction is 17 to zero. And she laughed. <laughs> well, they won 14 yeah, to zero. Two touchdowns. We had the yeah. Paul Skeens going pitching. I just, I felt they had had a weather delay that lasted seven hours. And, and I know done, what happened. I almost got and it home. done made them mad is what it done. Well, and it made the fans inebriated. And I said, after all of this, that place is going to be coming apart. <laughs> And the players are going to be itching to go. Players are mad for the layover. I actually admit, I was really close to predicting that score. Yeah, 14 nothing. I listened to it coming home. So so before we got started, Si, we were talking about, uh, we were laughing about, we had talked to a few podcasts back. Dad had had a side swipe incident in in heading home. After we had uh, come back from doing our thing in Nashville for the show, you know, for the award-winning podcast that we're now a part of, and so he told the story on the podcast, and it was really interesting. And then I heard one of my one of my local town spies told me because I always hear everything, you know. The, yeah. They always tell the the preacher that you had some kind of run in with the same yeah. uh, trooper. That had that had handled their situation. So t- tell us what happened here's because what, I, I haven't heard the whole story. Yeah, I'm wanting to hear from you. This was so funny. Okay, we, it's poker night. Yeah. Okay, six thirty. I'm going from my house on thirty four head toward town. Yeah. Okay. Well, here here are some sirens, sirens, red light, blue light. Here comes two ambulances and then three cop cars, and they're heading south. On 34. Toward your house? Yeah, well, past my house. Okay. So I said, well, that must be a bad wreck somewhere. Uh-huh. So look, I play poker, and I leave playing poker about 1.30. And I'm driving through, you know, the back way of the mill, you know, and I come up there where that Circle K is, yeah. and blue lights, okay? So I wait for the lights to change, put my blinker on, go across the street, and pull in the, in the Parking lot of Circle K. Yeah. He pulls up behind me, and he just gets out of his car and stands back in the back of me. So I'm used to him coming up, you know. So I'm getting my wallet and I got my driver's license out, and he, I look in my mirror, and he goes, you know. So I open the door and get out, walk back up to him. And he said, "Are you out, sir, or are you sleepy?" And I said, "No, sir, I'm not sleepy." I said, "What, what did I do?" He said, "Well, you swerved a couple of times while ago," and I said, "No, I, I'm not." I'm not tired and I'm not sleepy. He said, well, I just got through with your people. <laughs> you know, and I kind of do one of these. I said, wait a minute, uh, who, who's my people? You didn't know you had people. Yeah, well, this is in my near in Valkenville. So you I, have people? Yeah, and I said, who's my people? Well, this he, was after 11 o'clock. Oh, yeah, this is one thirty in the morning. That's what I thought. Oh. Yeah. He just pulled you over because it was one thirty in the morning, well, and he no, saw he, some. No, he may have. Well, I had to get red right. up there to fix my tire to put it back. Put me another <laughs> no. tire on. He literally had just left. No, him. no, he had just left Phil and Kay, and he said, "Well, I just left Phil and Kay working an accident with them. They got sideswiped." 
And I said, are you kidding me? Anybody hurt? And he said, no, anyone nobody hurt. It just you know, tore her back in. I love it that in our family we're getting news about what happens to the, the state. Well, night. This is what happened when they don't have cell phones. That's All right. other human beings have these conversations after it's over, but y'all well, have cut yourselves off from the world. The only reason, well, hey, I, look, didn't, the only reason I didn't have a cell phone is there, in this case, you don't know where the buttons were. I don't have one. I've never owned one. So we're out there with a flat tire, and the woman, I looked in the that, that filling station there, and she was in there working, you know, but I, the door was locked. Well, imagine at 12 o'clock, and I'm saying, hey. Yeah, open the door. You know, open, yeah, you know, yeah, it's me. She looked at me, and yeah, she which said. which ain't going to happen. She started bagging up. He probably said, I have no drugs oh, here. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. We're out of drugs. I said, I know I look a little rough, but look, I'm, 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 I'm a, I follow Jesus. I said, I tried every line I could come I'm up with. Probably, that probably made it worse. That probably didn't no? help yeah, anything. Yeah, finally, probably she, finally she right. said, I'm, I want to tell you I'm scared now. I said, don't be afraid. I said, look. I said, me and Miss Kay here, I said, we're Christian people. I said, so don't be worrying about that. I said, I just need to get some telephone numbers. I can call Miss Kay's number when we work. This <laughs> sounds like, if I would have been she that She loaned us her cell phone. Well, I got old Jimmy Red Gibson. I'd have called 911. I'll call Red. I got old Red up, you know. I said, why'd you wait to the second call? I said, we're trying to get you up. He said, well, the first one, I thought, well, you know, maybe just an accident. He said, but if we call twice... Yeah, I, I said. I said, "What's my what's my move for you?" He said, "You say as long as you're paying me, never cancel my phone call. Get on it." They well, call that a butt dial. Yeah, yeah. A possible twelve o'clock at night. He said, "Yep, something's going on." Well, it was somebody. Just He's not over. used to getting calls from you at midnight, though, Dad. In fairness Very to him, yeah. right? Exactly. But you said something about hey, that's we, the only we one. We are not in into this, you know, technology. Yeah. Oh, I'm into it, but hey, if it won't work for you, it ain't no use having it. <laughs> That's the truth. They thing. won't work for me. How do you have one of them things? No. no they I won't bought, my wife has bought me three and probably spent $3,000. And <laughs> hey, they tried to make it idiot proof. <laughs> Can't happen. With couldn't, me. couldn't pull it off. Yeah, couldn't pull it <laughs> off with me because hey, look, they gave me one and said, okay, name gave me a class on it. This is the home button. Touch it and the menu will come up. Yep. And then all you got to do is look at the menu and it says phone list. Touch that, and it'll bring up everybody that we want you to be able to call. Philip, you know, your wife, the band. This was when I was I needed it when I was going out, you know, singing. Yeah. But it never worked. I was laying somewhere when I was doing a singing gig. <laughs> okay, so I'm at the airport and waiting there, you know, and I get on, and I said, okay, home button, menu, phone list, Bridget Tatum, you know. And it says, darling, darling. <laughs> Darling. Well, maybe and she that's was, all it ever done. Maybe she Darling. Was, maybe was she wasn't there. No, no, no. Huh. So look, I'm there for 30 minutes waiting, and finally a woman walks up. Will you take a picture with me? I said, darling, I'll make a deal with you. I said, you see this number on this phone? Yeah. I said, call that for me. She said, well, give me your phone. I said, it, it won't work. She said, give me it. So she touches it, you know. Darling, for another 15 minutes. Yeah. And I said, I Darling, give me that and hey, call this number on your phone. And as soon as she dialed it, said, hello. It worked. it worked. Yeah. Yeah. I said, hello. Talking about, I didn't recognize the number, but I figured it had to be from you, you idiot. <laughs> she said, I'm on my way. I said, Well, good. Hurry up. So you just went in to just borrowing people's phones. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. it won't work for me. Yeah. All right, well, fair enough. She bought the last one, cost $1,000. It was pretty and looked good and all that. But I hey, went through the same thing. Really? Won't work. Couldn't get it to work. It may be operator problem. No, it oh. ain't no operator. No, no, they, we no, are I pretty hard-headed. We <laughs> just had, had it. For I'm honest and a half enough to say it was, it was user <laughs> yeah. not knowing what he's doing. So well, he's saying, no, no, I know what I'm doing. Hey. Well, we had well, a five-minute. I, a... can, I can punch <laughs> buttons or touch <laughs> names. Okay, when it yeah. won't work, it won't work. Won't work. So I says it's not idiot proof, which then begs the next thing about who's the idiot here. Right? Well, we had a five minute yeah. argument for this. Yo, podcast. I admit I ain't the brightest candle on the cake. <laughs> yeah, but I can use the telephone. But it's still. But hey, here's the thing. The, <laughs> well, different they never use it. Look, they never the use the stupid thing for a phone anymore. Yeah, they use it as a typewriter. Click, 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 click. <laughs> then, yeah, and then I said, hey. I talked to you the other day, and I said, no, you didn't. 
Well, I said, I picked the phone up. You didn't talk to me. They sent you a text. And I said, I sent you a text. I said, hey, I don't do text, son. I, got, <laughs> I wrote a song about it. I don't tweet. I don't text. I don't do none of that junk. Okay, I'm old school. Hey, if you want to see me, can you pick up and drive to the house? Well, that's what we do. Knock on the door, ring him doorbell. <laughs> or just talk to the state police. <laughs> or call the state police. They let's, may uh, be able to get a hold of Let's take a break. So, Dad, I think it's safe to say that we're a pretty divided nation right now. Is that is that a, is that a fair statement? I would, I would say that's a fair assessment. And, you know, when you get divided, you know, it's just hard for one side to really see the perspective of the other side. And so uh, our friends at Patriot Mobile – Uh, They call it a parallel economy uh, that's out there now where you're having more and more people, sort of everyday Americans, who really don't like what they view as propaganda from the other side constantly being jammed into every product uh, that they buy or they consume. Uh, And, of course, they're in the realm of the big mobile companies. And uh, for years, we've seen them dump a lot of money uh, into leftist causes. And so that's kind of put everybody in that position. But Patriot Mobile comes along, and they're America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks, so you get the best possible service in your area, and you get to do that without the woke politics. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending a message that you support free speech, religious freedom, sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and, of course, our military and veterans and first responders. They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team that makes switching very easy, uh, and you get to keep your own phone number, too. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Phil. Get the same dependable coverage, but stand for your values. Patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 878-PATRIOT. <laughs> well, y'all tend to be a little hard-headed is what I'm saying. We had a five-minute argument because Phil and Kay keep saying, well, we had a near miss on that wreck. <laughs> and I said, yeah, well, it was, it was actually a hit. And and <laughs> Kay was arguing the same thing. Well, no, I mean, it. I mean that was – that we, we missed. It was head-on collision until the last – less than a second. I hooked hard right and stomped the gas. And I went beside this thing. And they're going right down me as I'm turning like that. They're yeah. going right beside me, and they just nicked my back tire. But my, I, could, yeah. I could see a little white paint on my fenders. I checked it out. I was but close. It was a, but it was a hit. Is what I was, that's why I did the, bat, hit. the battlefield. If it blew a tire, yeah, it was a hit. Remember Battleship? Battleship. You know. Yeah, yeah. R2. Hit. <laughs> You're still floating. <laughs> <laughs> it's still underway, but you're and you're minutes away from being sunk in that. Yeah, yeah. So I went out and did a little NCIS Balkanville and looked at the scenario because they had described it. First, mom and dad's version of the events were very different. Mom was the hero, shocker, of yeah. her version. Yeah. She saved yeah. the day yep. by bringing dad out of some stupor, yeah. you know. Yeah. But then yeah. dad was like, "No, I was analyzing the situation." So, and I'm on record as saying that I'm going with dad's version because yeah. mom can be pretty much. You know, first thing out of her voice is, "You saved our life." I said, "I, said, I, I helped." But then she and then two it. days later, her first words to Jason was, "I saved our lives." I just stayed driving where I was. Storytelling like runs in the family. Yeah, you did good. I was just saying it wasn't perfect timing. It was. It was well, good. So, time. so here's where I question mom's account because I said, "Well, mom, is the truck ter- she, is the truck in bad shape?" She said, "Oh, it's terrible." And so I, when I pulled up and I looked at the truck, I couldn't even tell anything that had happened. You had to look real hard. I started it. looking and I yeah. thought she said it was terrible. So I looked, I looked at it closely. I looked in the back where the tire was and I saw exactly what Dad described. It clipped the end of that runner. Yep. It clipped that because there's a piece of plastic gone, and then it looked like it just rubbed. It didn't even scratch your paint. It's close. It's just rub, but then I guess his bumper caught the middle of that tire Cut it. and ruined it. Cut you know, it. Yeah. and then it just slid off the side so it was just they, they never stopped it was just a side swipe on their part yep. because i got out of their way if i hadn't hooked a hard right and let them come by i mean it they were i, I timed it when i when they got to where i said this this joker is not i said he's coming so i just waited till i knew i'd miss him on the front 
and he just kind of scraped me a little bit all the way down. Sound like close, to me, close, he got close. you loose in the corner and spun you out, and he went on. So, so here's my yeah, question. I, tried, I was going to run him down, terminology. But, but I looked up there and saw his headlights, but then I saw that my tire was yeah. blown out. You were like Matt Dillon with a gimpy horse. Gimpy horse. What were you going to do if you ran him down? <laughs> That's what Let's I, not even I, go there. Quit running down. So, I, so here's, here's my question. This is subjective. We don't know. So the state trooper leaves that situation. So you know he's thinking in his mind, this person probably is from around here. He comes up and he sees Cy swerving through, and he's thinking, there's my guy right there. That might be the one, yeah. That's, that's that might be the no, guy right that there. Could be, that could be. He may have been looking at the yeah, front of your truck. The, you say, what time did you say it was this happened? 11, After midnight. 11.30. Yeah. Well, y'all sure are staring around late at night. <laughs> hey, you can see some strange things on 34. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I saw you at one thirty in the morning, that would. Well, hey, I'm just, oh, I, hey, no, I'm talking about people in the underwear in the wintertime, yeah. walking in the middle of the road. Yeah, I have seen. I that. mean, I like to kill a guy in town here. I know. I remember when that happened. Scared us. And the only thing that saved him is he had pretty white teeth because if he hadn't a smile, <laughs> he'd have been a dead duck. Yeah. Okay, because hey, he's walking in my lane. Yeah. And it's 45 miles an hour there, and that's what I was going. He smiled. And he smiled. And hey, black clothes. Everything he had on was black clothes. And then all the thing I seen was just a flash. <laughs> you know, I, I slowed down, looked back, and I said, and he's still staggering in the middle of the road. I said, you idiots. Which begs the larger question, why would you smile when you meet a car at 45 miles an hour in the middle of the that road? That was part of the problem. He's like a coon in the headlight, boy. That's why you see all these dead coons on the highway. You're right there. They raise up, raise up, being bad, and just whomp, whomp. Yeah. Coons and possums, that's, that's right. It. Well, man, that I don't know that I plan on that being our... <laughs> Are open, so that we uh, size. So, so we're gonna we're gonna feature a sermon I preached a couple of weeks ago uh, here on the podcast. This is first time I've ever done this, so I'm kind of excited about it. I mentioned it a few weeks back because we had studied Second Peter, remember, a few months ago on the podcast, and we're a little bit behind on our church versus podcast. So, and and you're my you're my number one, um, you know, sermon checker from yeah. church you you yeah. listen to me and oh, yeah. i like that because yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah. yep. and so uh so we're going to do this sermon we're going to show it to our audience uh or if you're listening i guess you get to listen to it and and i entitled it liars lords and lustful losers so that's right out of the text out of second peter chapter two was there anything positive in there i ended it positive oh. uh which is good <laughs> the so bad news first right so i want us so i want you our audience to listen to it and then we come back uh we're going to go over to our overtime segment talk a little bit about what i talked about uh in this sermon so i want you to check this out uh si is going to get to to hear it with us here today uh, and hear what it's about. And if you want to follow us in overtime, once it's over, that's blazetv.com slash unashamed. We're going to talk a little bit about liars, lords, and lustful losers. So we'll LLL. LLL. The triple L. Triple L. It's always a pleasure having you on Unashamed. We'll see you. My pleasure being here. We'll see you in overtime. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen. Well, uh, I don't know if you heard, but our um, Unashamed podcast with Jason Phil Robertson kept on the rails by yours truly and Zach Dasher of course because you got to have a Dasher uh, is now an award-winning podcast we won the K-Love Impact Podcast of the Year this past week there we go 
It's uh, it's an honor for me to announce that to you because uh, you guys, this church, our church family, our forever uh, family has birthed that podcast and you let us uh, cut our teeth on you through for many, many years, a hundred years of combined teaching uh, between over hundred between the four of us. Uh, and much of that was done to you and for you. And so now we get to do that for the world. And it's making a huge impact, as you see here every week, as folks come here to turn themselves into the Almighty uh, because of this podcast and what our church is doing. And to get to partner uh, with our partners from India and every other country in the world, what an honor. So I don't stand before you a proud person, but a very humbled person that we get an opportunity to do that. So to be recognized is a great blessing and many uh, made that possible. So thank you out here, our live stream audience. I know many of you are part of Unashamed Nation. So we just want to say thanks this morning uh, for that. Where is Miss Brooke Lowry? There she is. Come on up here, Brooke. Brooke is eight years old. Yeah. Give it up for eight-year-olds. That's good. She's going to read our scripture. It says here she likes watching TV and reading. So do I, Brooke. That's a great pastime. Need to walk a little bit, too, because I've missed that part. All right, you ready to read for our verse for us? Okay. But there were also false prophets among the people. In the same way, there will be false teachers among you. Very good. Thank you, Brooke. You did so good. Woo! So awesome. I don't know about you, but that has become one of my favorite parts of our time together, uh, is seeing young men and women share from God's Word in our presence. So by the, uh, the miracle of modern travel, less than 12 hours ago, Mom and Dad and Lisa and I were on a stage uh, in Mount Hope, Ohio. And yet here I stand this morning. So I was uh, flying along last night late, 500 miles an hour, 41,000 feet above the earth. I couldn't help but think that we serve a God that is amazing. Amen. I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. Yeah, we can applaud air travel. Sure, absolutely. We, uh, I was thinking about that because, you know, I thought about Paul and, and all of his troop and his team and traveling on those ships to get from place to place. And now we have an opportunity to go and share the good news of Jesus, a thousand, fourteen hundred miles, whatever it was away, and then be back here to continue to do that exact same thing. God is so good uh, to us and what a blessing. And, you know, when we were there, we were part of the, there was a recovery ministry that had invited us um, called 612 based on Ephesians 6.12. And the idea is, is that wherever you go, there are the forces of evil that work against us, right? And so this is mostly rural. It's, very, it's, it's the heart of Amish country. And so you think, well, why would you have a recovery ministry in Amish country? They don't need that, right? Oh, contraire. The evil one is working everywhere, including in the Amish community. And so ministries like this and the same one we have here made me appreciate our Celebrate Recovery ministry, our uh, recovery houses and everything we're doing here, because that's what we shared and talked about with these brothers and sisters who are doing that there. And so we just went to encourage them, to uplift them, to say, continue to the fight. Uh, I saw a lot of really weird shaped beards. You know, the Amish still have the long beards like you do around here, the kind of the redneck look, but it's all just plain face. So you got the full face and then the beard. So they've taken it to another level, but they're wonderful people and I respect what they're trying to do. But like anything else, you can't do it without a heart for Jesus and his grace. And that's what makes the difference and makes the change. And so every community needs to hear that. We're in second Peter chapter two, if you want to follow along in the text today, and Mike and Dave uh, did a great job on 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. And in there, there was just so much uplifting and enriching stuff. I mean, grace and peace and assurance and confidence and growth through productive and effective qualities. The work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bringing us his word. And so Peter, we know from this 2 Peter letter, is, knows he's about to die. He knows that the prediction that Jesus gave him back on the, on the shores of the, of the Sea of Galilee are about to come true. And he's about to make that crossover. And he's going to do it in quite the dramatic way. And so this is his sort of last will and testament. 
uh, for all those that he's been serving and leading. And so he's trying to get his group ready. He also knows that in a short period of time, and I'm sure he didn't know exactly when it was going to happen, but there was going to be a tremendous judgment that was going to come down on Israel. And we know now in hindsight that that course came about in AD 70. There was a rebellion in Jerusalem and the Romans surrounded the city. There was a terrible siege and many, many people died a horrible death. All this was coming. And so in this letter, his last words, he's trying to warn. He's trying to encourage, but he's trying to say, look, you need to look at the world for what it really is. And so today we're in Second Peter chapter 1, and the section I have is not near as uplifting or flowery, but it's very real, and it's something we have to pay attention to. And the only way I know how to tackle this is to read the whole thing. So let's read Second Peter chapter 2. And there's a key word here because he was giving them all this good stuff. And anytime in the Bible, I've told you this before, when you see therefore or but, pay attention. Because he gave them a lot of encouraging words. And then he says this word, but. There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. And he was saying that in a first century audience, but we know, brothers, that it still goes on today, man. And that's unfortunate. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. And we're all bought at a great price, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Well, what a way to phrase that. It's coming. And it was coming. Judgment is coming. And he says in verse 4, For if God did not spare angels when they sin, but sent them to hell, and the Greek word here is the underworld, putting them in chains of darkness, some versions say gloomy dungeons, to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Frightening. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. He says in verse eight, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. I can't think of another verse in the entire Bible that describes the way I feel every time I turn on the news than that one. Tormented to see the lawless acts of a corrupt culture. A lot of people say, wow, you just need to quit watching it. I understand that. That is an approach, and I respect that approach because who wants to see it? But just because I don't watch it doesn't mean that it's not going on. And it still torments me. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, how to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh, and here's a new idea, and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They're like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. He's talking about people. That's a sad picture of people, to be like the animals. Verse 13. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. 
They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. Man, what a phrase. That's a doomed and unhappy group of people and a cursed brood. Verse 15, they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Baor. Man, I wish I had time to give you that story. There's your extra reading requirement for the week. Numbers 22 through 24, the story of Balaam, the false prophet. By the way, there's a talking, a talking donkey involved way before Shrek was ever thought about, right? The Almighty came up with it first. This man loved the wages of wickedness, but he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Man, well, I guess we need more talking donkeys in our culture, right? Verse 17, these people are springs without water, empty, mist driven by a storm, empty and yet full of rage. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. And now the big finale, verse 20. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off in the end than they were at the beginning. Man, what a fate. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. And then one of the most graphic verses in all the Bible. 2 Peter 2.22, of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. Do I have to describe that for you? And a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Years ago, Paul and I, Paul Stevens and I, went up to Iowa to speak at a camp. And for some reason, someone talked us into going to visit a pig farm. I don't know why that was ever thought to be a good idea to go to the pig farm, but there was a man there that raised pigs and had quite the operation. But as soon as my foot stepped out of the van and that stench hit my nostrils, I began to gag. Do you know how hard it is to have a meaningful conversation with a man who spends his life raising pigs while you're gagging through the entire conversation? It's offensive to him. He lives there. But he got used to it. But I'm going to tell you something. In the whatever time I was there, I did not get used to it. Pig mud is different than regular mud. I'm going to tell you that right now. So I get this text. The idea to go back. I've been there. I don't want to go back. I got three questions from this text today because this is about false teachers. And in a sense, it's a challenge to men and women like me who have accepted the mantle of the leadership of others. But at the same time, it's a great challenge to all of us to look for what's there when the evil one has control of someone. You do not want to follow people that have been described in this text. So it's a challenge to both of us today. So my first question that's answered in this text is how do you recognize these people? And so that's why the title of my lesson today is liars, lords, and lustful losers, because that's what we're talking about. The first thing you'll see is they are liars and deniers. They lie about God and they deny his sovereignty. And think about it. You would have to, if you were going to put yourself in charge and it became about you and your will over other people. You would have to deny the sovereignty of God. 
Otherwise, you would be then humble before him to do his will for other people. You would be but a servant. Isn't that what Jesus taught the whole time he was here? Even in his own person, being a part of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, he came here and whenever he was up against it, you know what he said? Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus showed us this example. But if you were a liar and a denier, you wouldn't submit to anyone because it would be about what you want. They lie about their motives and they deny people access to freedom from their own sin and weakness. And I think this is probably the thing that upsets the Almighty and Jesus the most is when you deny other people freedom. You take that away because your own depravity then becomes the motive for everything you do. And God forbid that that happens in the leaders of the church or the kingdom. They're greedy, according to this text. They're selfish. They're exploitative. And they're shameful. And instead of people who deliver freedom, they only promise it but deliver depravity. And unfortunately, we see this more and more. It's what turns people away from God and the church. Because when they see this exercise, the ultimate rank hypocrisy of lying leadership, it's a destruction. They lie to themselves about their denial and their ultimate destiny. Wouldn't you have to believe the lie? There was an old Seinfeld episode where I think it was George who said, is it really a lie if you believe it? Now, it's kind of funny for Seinfeld, but when you think about that question, the answer is yes. It's still a lie. If it's a lie, it's a lie. And just because you believe it and then make it now in our culture, we'll say your truth is still a lie. And that's what people have to do to take people off a cliff. They have to believe their own lies. Some wise person said, beware the musings of a doomed man. And that's true. These people are awaiting destruction. But isn't that what Satan and his minions are all about? You remember what John said, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him. There were those who were there. They believed. They looked. He had done amazing miracles and things. They said, you know what? I think this guy is worth listening to. So here was Jesus' response to their belief. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. So he said there is a direct correlation and link of truth to freedom. And you do that by listening to what Jesus said. So that probably sounded good in the moment until it didn't. And you read the rest of John chapter 8, and we get down to verse 44, and they didn't really believe because they didn't really want to accept truth, and they really didn't want to be set free. They would rather stay in their own bondage. And here's what Jesus said in verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Now, he's going to tell you right here who is the father of all of this deception and lies. It's the evil one. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. That's all you need to know. There are no deals with the devils, folk. No deals. He will always, always stab you in the back. Jesus made it very clear. He even tried to make a deal with Jesus. And Jesus said, nope, no deals with you. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when you be begin to believe any lies, whether they're from your own heart, ultimately they flow out of the evil one himself. Liars. But these, also, these people are also lords unto themselves. As I said earlier, they deny God's sovereignty. You have to do that. To be your own lord, you've got to deny the Lord. They arrogantly appoint themselves as lords and according to this context, they even boldly slander celestial beings. They talk about things they shouldn't be talking about. You know, I've always, when I read this text, or also in Jude, 
8 through 10, which says it this way. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. You see all these people running around now. It's, people love to play dress up in public. And they wear these outlandish things and they're running around and they're attacking, whether it's the church or Jesus or the cross or the devil or whatever. And you look at them and it's just all done in complete ignorance. But it's very dangerous because they're playing with fire. Even the archangel Michael, Jude said, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebukes you. When a powerful angel won't even talk about these things or bang disrespect on even the evil realm, you know that's something you don't want to mess with. People take it casually. These people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, destroys them. I don't play around with that. People have asked me before about casting out demons and people that obviously appear like they have it. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not there. I got some brothers around the world that have been and praise God for them. I'm afraid of that. I, I remember that story in Acts 19 to the sons of Sceva. They said, Jesus, we know, and Paul, we know, but we never heard of you. And then they beat the fire out of them. It's in the Bible. Look it up. I don't want to be one of those guys. It makes me very nervous because this is real. These forces are lined up against us. And he said, were you afraid? I don't fear anything because of the power of God, but I don't want to mess with them either. Let them be. God can deal with them. I don't call out and make funny names about Satan and celestial beings. This text taught me that. That's what leaders should do. Be very respectful of what's going on in the world. This is spiritual warfare, folks. And we can sit around and say, oh, that's missed, and nobody understands that. Who cares? And you just follow that path right into destruction, which is what happened here. They're also lustful losers. And this may be the disgusting of it all. The Bible says here they're carousers, they're pleasure seekers, they have adulterous eyes, they're seducers and enticers, and they involve themselves in flesh-driven activity. They look like men and women who love God, but instead all they want to do is just what everybody else is doing in the world. They just want to do it secretly. How many times do we see reports about inappropriate sexual relationships or abuse or misusing of authority in churches for sexual gratification. It's disgusting. I can tell you as a leader, as God's leader, as a shepherd, that frightens me more than anything. Because you are twisting the hearts and souls of the believers of God. And I know what's going to happen to you according to this text. Everybody loses when you're enslaved to depravity. Everybody. First you, then your family, then your witness, and ultimately, according to this text, your soul is lost because of depravity. So that's how we recognize them. Next question, what happens to these people and those that follow? Well, according to this text, destruction, condemnation, being accursed, which means doomed, Ultimately, judgment, both end-time judgment, which we're about to read about, and also end, E-N-D, time judgment. Blackest darkness and hell. I get asked so much about what is hell going to be like. There are a lot of descriptions of it. Jesus talked about it a lot. There's a lot of different pictures. But I'll tell you this, every picture of hell, I'm not sure. I don't want to know, and I don't want to go there, because everything about hell is bad. I know that there's no God, there's no light, there's no joy, and there's no peace. That's hell. Yeah, but we need to know more about it to know whether we want to choose that. No, you don't. You don't want that. You can go and do a deep dive into hell, but I can tell you where you're going to wind up at the end of it. I don't want to be there. I want to be with God. I want to be in the light. I want to have joy. I want to have peace. I want to have community. 
Peter gives three examples of judgment in this text. The first one is in the heavenly realms, rebellious angels. And that all happened before we were even created. Man, what a picture that gives us, Satan and his fallen angels. And that impacts us. Then he gives another picture of ancient humanity and the great flood in Genesis chapter 6. The Bible says that wickedness was so great that every thought was evil and filled with violence. This morning, if we could teleport to different places around the world, including our own United States of America, we would see that very picture. And it's frightening. He talked about a specific region in Sodom and Gomorrah that was so depraved that there was an outcry that this sin was so grievous that God himself said, I'm going to go down there. You remember what was, what was like with your kids when you said, don't make me come back there. Remember that? That's what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he sent representatives to see how bad it was, and it was bad. Judgment was hanging over and it followed. So I know what's going to happen. I know how the story ends. It's not good. And so the last question, which may be the most important one out of those two together, is what kind of life would you expect from someone who is living this way and facing what they're facing? What would their life look like? Well, according to this text, it's empty. It's stormy. It's driven like an animal with no regard for people. It's destructive. It's enslaving and it's embittering. I mean, you're doomed. How are you going to live? Think about this. If you knew about freedom from depravity, you knew there was a way out. If you knew there was freedom from an addiction or something that was controlling your life, if you knew there was freedom from every guilt and shame you ever felt about everything you'd ever done, if you knew that there was freedom from evil itself, but you chose to do it anyway, what would that look like? He tells us it would look like vomit and a stinky pig pen. That's what it would look and smell like. I dare say none of us want to live that life. Amen. I remember a day drinking, drugging, and vomit was a part of it. And it wasn't pleasant. I remember being in a pig pen of my own making and it stunk to high heaven. I don't want to go back there. Because I know what I know. Would you desire this life for your children or your grandchildren? Would you desire this life for your culture, your community, your church? Peter gives us three examples, and it's tragic. And you say, man, Al, that's a, whew, not very uplifting this morning. Well, I'm going to leave on an uplifting note because there's one here. Because as bad as that is, and as real as it is, and as much as we have to take it seriously and not play around with it, he gives us the idea of remnants of righteousness in this text. And praise God for that. Because that'd be a pretty depressing text otherwise. In all three of those examples, there are faithful, righteous beings and men and women of God. We know in the angelic realm, we got Michael and Gabriel, and we see throughout the history of our Bible, we, in time, we see people that are there that are standing up for what God wants. And if you think about it, every important aspect of the gospel of Christ, there were angels that are ministered to him or to announce his coming at his birth. You remember when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, who came to minister to him? Angels did. After Satan had tempted him, who came to lift him up and minister to him in that wilderness? Angels did. Who was sitting on top of that rock when he came out of the tomb? An angel. Who was there when he went up back to the Father, to the right hand to mediate for us, to remind everybody that we're not through? 
Angels. Who did he say he was bringing back with him when he comes back? Angels. So there are some good ones, and I can't wait to meet them. Apparently, when you read about in the Bible, if you meet them while we're here, it's very frightening and terrifying. I'm assuming in the next life we'll just be pals. But there are righteous angels. We know, of course, Noah and his family stood for what was right and praise God for them. Can you imagine if Noah and his family had not decided to follow God, we would have, humanity would have just been a failed experiment and we would have never gotten the shot to be here. But because of their righteousness, because of them building a boat, now we're here. That's what God does to those who will believe. And old Lot, man, I don't know what to think about Lot. Every time I teach that section, I think Lot should have just got out of Dodge, right? I mean, get out of that blue state and get to a red state, right? That's kind of our thinking, right? But you know what? The Bible doesn't talk about him in those terms. It says he was a righteous man who trusted God, even in the worst setting. And he probably held off the judgment for a long time for Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think about what if that's us? What if the reason why he hadn't come down like a ton of bricks on the United States of America is because of us doing the right thing? I love the text in Psalm 85, 11. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth. That's us. And righteousness looks down from heaven. Oh, what a blessing. Those are brought together because of our faith in God. Paul would put it this way in Romans 3, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's the righteousness. It's not from us, folks. The righteousness only comes from God. But because of our faith, it now transfers to us because of the Holy Spirit. We can be difference makers. Paul would put it this way in Romans 1, and I guess it brings us full circle. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The beautiful righteousness. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So at the end of the day, we need to know what false teachers look like. At the end of the day, we need to know we don't want to follow that path because it leads to destruction. He said, what does that have to do with this corrupt world? We don't want to be like the corrupt world, but we want to show the corrupt world the way. We want to be the light. We want to show them something better. We want to show them that righteousness is possible. And it is. I mean, I look around our church I see people who other people would say there's no way they'll ever get it straight. And yet, God did it. God can do anything through what his son did for us and what his Holy Spirit continues to do through us. That's who we can be. I'm going to make a commitment to you from the leadership of our church. And I didn't consult with them. I don't have to because I know them. We're not going to be this. We're going to hold one another accountable. We're going to lead into the next generation of a leadership of shepherds and staff and people that you have put confidence in in Christ to be what we are called to be. That's our commitment to you. Now, my ask back is that you trust fully in Christ. Don't be like those folks in John 8 who mouthed it with their words, but with their lives and their hearts did something totally different. And for that to happen, you have to submit fully to who Christ is. And that's my challenge to you today. We've already witnessed today some that have submitted themselves to Jesus, who have said, we are not the Lord of our lives, but you are the Lord of our lives. If there's someone here who hasn't done that, if someone's watching on live stream and you haven't made that commitment to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, which brings righteousness into your life, today is the day to make it right. Last night, we're trying to get out of this 
place in Ohio, trying to get on a plane to get home because we got stuff to do today, right? So we're trying to get through and people are crowding in. And it just it reminded me of what it was like when I read about what Jesus did. And people just come in because they just love you and they want to hear more. And I'm trying to get out and I'm the last one, of course. And this young boy comes up because I shared a little bit of my story. Looked like he was 16, 17, 18, tears flowing down his cheeks. And he said, I'm right where you were, Mr. Allen. I want to talk to my dad, but I'm scared. Stop everything else. Because we got a person who has decided to submit his life to Christ. And unlike me, he didn't wait until he got further and deeper into a pig pen. I said, tell me a little bit more about it. He did. And we prayed together that he would have the courage and strength to get his life straight and to embrace the righteousness of Christ last night. I pray that that happened. That's the most important thing we can ever do is to show people what Christ has done in us and in others. Never forget that. If you have a need this morning, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing? Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.